Hello, everyone, and welcome to All Things Creative. My name is Linda Riesenberg Thistler, and today I wanted to share with you the presentation that I made at the Representational Art Conference in Ventura, California, between March 31st and April 4th of 2019. The name of the paper is Imagination and Creativity, a Cognizant Balance. We are born with imagination. The world tempers it, possibly washes it away during the waking hours. As a child, we heard, you have a vivid imagination. Somewhere along the way, imagination was suppressed by society's pressure to fit in. Imagination in most became disconnected from the world we live in daily. Creativity and innovation are recognized and rewarded by corporate America. It provides inspiration for new products that all of us enjoy. The pathway from imagination to creativity may have taken a detour in some of us, but sometime in everyone's life, that pathway reconnects. It is then we realize the power of imagination and its influence over creativity. Questioning the difference between imagination and creativity is like questioning the difference between night and day. Each day is greeted by light, brilliant illumination, or subtle, muted light. Daylight gives birth to process the means by which we create. Building a machine or painting a painting is the essence of creation. It has an end product that is tangible, a physical presence. The night covers us in darkness, a filter or disconnect to the creative process. Imagination illuminates the darkness, filling the space with hope and intention and material things not seen or possible in the light. Converting what we see and experience in the shadows of our imagination becomes a process of intention, which then leads to creativity. While they are different, they are dependent on one another. As Albert Einstein once said, quote, imagination is more important than knowledge, unquote. If one can dream it with intention and creative process, one can live it. Anne Pendleton Julian and John Seely Brown, authors of Pragmatic Imagination, single from Design Unbound, put forth this analysis. Quote, creative activity aims to do something purposeful. The imagination is something that emerges, while creativity works towards products that exist in the real world and have real-world purpose. The product of the imagination is the, quote, imagined object, unquote, it is the image itself. That image comes with meaning, but any purpose it contains is that which rise from it as it intersects with other cognitive processes, unquote. Furthermore, quote, it is precisely because the imagination is given permission to play without pragmatic intent, it finds connections between the things that are not obvious or easy, unquote. In the book, the Creation of Art by B. Galt and P. Livingston, they establish that three conditions are required for creativity to exist. One condition is the production of things that are original. For the thing to be made from creativity, it must contain a salient newness. Originality alone does not mean that the work is born from the creative process. Originality is but one condition. Galt and Livingston submit that, quote, we should hold that creativity is the kind of making that produces something which is original and which has considerable value, unquote. 
The object in the creative making should have merit not proportionate with the great value we place on creativity. However, one could argue that it is possible in the creative making process to make something original and valuable. Does that mean that creativity was used in the making of it? Galt and Livingston suggest that it does not, without having a third condition, flair, present during the making. What is flair? Flair in the simple terms, according to Galton Livingston, pertains to how the object is made. For example, a room has been covered in canvas. One person daubs another with paint all over their body. They place the painted person in a room in total darkness. The painted person flails about in the dark, making paint marks on the canvas walls. After hours of trying to escape, the canvas walls are covered with an abstract pattern, a rather good abstract painting. The painting is original and valuable, but Galt and Livingston submit it would be wrong to say it was made creatively. It was chance. Another example is to make something through a mechanical process, trial and error, working through the process of possible paths. During this process, one comes across something original and creative. Since this procedure is a mechanical one, Gault and Livingston put forth that the search procedure is, quote, an instant of creativity, for the procedure adopted is a mechanical one. Flair takes into consideration how the object is made. In our creative world, can flair be considered our voice or style in which we create? Additionally, Christopher Allen Anderson's book, Thinking About Thinking, he submits that it is time to take the next steps to understanding the creative process or our thinking will become stagnant. This suggests that currently our thinking is not cognizant of the creative process or that there is no recognized connection between imagination and creativity. Anderson submits, our ability to think, our ability to educate, and our ability to survive will depend on that knowledge. Without this knowledge, we can be cognizant of the balance that holds the key to our success in an endeavor to think and live. Furthermore, Anderson states that Quote, the creative process binds our lives and consciousness. It is the vehicle we work through as it is of our natures, unquote. An understanding of the creative process is an exploration into the process itself with little thought given to imagination. If we focus on imagination, its power seems to stifle. Anderson suggests that alignment to the creative process is manifested. Some may say that manifestation is simple, and yet knowing how to create that moment or object can sometimes be daunting. In that space, we may say we have a creative block as we stand before a white canvas, unable to manifest anything in our imaginations that drives us to put down the first mark. We search for that, quote, moment of sparkling creativity, unquote, the moment of balance between the physical creation and intangible imagination. Anderson states, quote, to know creativity is to know cause, source, principle, standard, structure, order, imagination, inspiration, is to know balance. The creative process becomes, because it is, 
the exact process through which we integrate all information into order. Unquote. For artists, imagination is the playground for the product produced. Quote, to create one's own world takes courage, unquote, Georgia O'Keeffe stated. Imagination becomes the artist's voice. It is the subconscious playground that emerges over years of work developing as a center of gravity, which in turn provides the confidence to create. Quote, whether to make music, experiment with gestures and color on canvas, wrestle with the string theory, the experimental imagination honors this search. It is focused play, unquote, Pendleton Julian and Seely Brown state. Imagination does not need a center of gravity or the creation process to exist. Imagination avoids boundaries, rules, gravity, and the thoughts of being real. To understand creativity, one must also attempt to understand the concept of imagination. Galt and Livingston suggest that, quote, imagination is more slippery to handle than that of creativity, unquote. Imagination in of itself has a variety of uses. Corporations value imagination and innovation, the ability to imagine new products and then create the process to make those products. Imagination graces each individual who then chooses to utilize that skill in various ways. In our childhood, phrases that began with what if or let's say begins the process of imagining. These phrases engage the creative thought process. This usage provides an analytical and trivial connection between imagination and creativity. However, Galt and Livingston suggest there is more to this connection. Let's demonstrate this in a quick exercise. To aid in this exercise, I ask you to close your eyes. There is grass under your feet. A tree stands in the distance. The sky is clear. There is a breeze. There is a creek. Now open your eyes. Each of those statements produced an image in your mind. I didn't describe the tree, the breeze, the grass, but you did by selecting an image and projecting it from your imagination. This is imagery and the third use of imagination according to Galt and Livingston. Imagery employs the use of sensory presentations and not necessarily instances of imagination. We know the image of a tree because we have seen trees. Breezes have been felt. In our childhood, who hasn't had the kindergarten teacher who told us tree trunks are brown? These are images that our imagination pulls from our memory. Conversely, an image is a type of thought. Quote, an image is an image of something, and that thing need not exist. That is, the thought content has intentional in existence. Unquote. If I say imagine a wet cat, a mental visual image of a wet cat will be different for each of us. A visual image is a kind of thought, and according to Galt and Livingston, quote, and what makes it distinctively visual is not its content, but its mode of presentation. For I may think of how a wet cat looks without visually imagining a wet cat. So what makes the imagining sensory or phenomenal is the mode of presentation of the thought, unquote. The image of a wet cat can be from memory, a dream, or perceptual image. 
In the case of a perceptual image, the image is a kind of imagining. This is not to say that imagination is just thoughts. Imagination goes beyond sensory, perception, or dreaming. Imagination is the ability to produce things without any immediate input of the senses. Imagination can reach beyond the known procedures or methods in problem solving and engage in a learning process. Imagination is a cognitive process not limited to experiences. Imagination is the mother of all invention. In our mind's eye, we conjure images, both novel, imagined, and recalled. At the risk of removing all the magic that possibly exists in the balance between the creative process and our imaginations, Galt and Livingston offer two models of creativity. These models further describe the balance between imagination and creativity. It is an interesting concept that some feel a need to model imagination, grasping at the scientific explanation for imagining. The act of imagining can be something that we have already seen or have gathered tangible information on the object being imagined. The display model discussed by Galt and Livingston in their book, The Creation of Art, suggests that the imagination displays the result of creativity to the creative person. The model further states that, quote, creativity itself operates through some other mental capacity, perhaps some other domain, such as the unconscious, unquote. Alternatively, Galt and Livingston also discuss the search model. This model is based on the concept that when one presents a new idea or invents a new object, the creative person worked through various possibilities in a logical space or process. In the display model, passive creativity is one form of imagination utilized. When utilizing passive creativity, the creative person is unaware of the creative process. In writing, this person is considered a pantser. During a free write session, any scene that presents itself we capture, worrying about the sense of it later. However, that method already employs to a small degree imagining. The images of the scene are being imagined. Perhaps a better explanation of the display model is when an artist is painting in their head before they even approach the canvas. The display model in this form occurs prior to any outline written by the writer or sketch made or brushstroke taken by the artist when employing passive creativity. One could still argue that there is still a cognizant balance. We are aware of the chaos that might be occurring in our imagination, for we store and access these varying depictions in our brain, making ourselves aware of the images to access at a different time. In contrast, active creativity is when the creative person seeks out various solutions. Trial and error are employed. Experience is accessed as the creative person works through all known results and using the process previously explored to help them create a new object. Galt and Livingston put forth that, quote, active creativity seems more common and important in the arts than passive creativity. A painter may, for instance, suddenly see how their painting will look, but much of the subsequent work will involve scrutinizing the painting as it is being made, imagining how it could be improved by altering 
it in various ways, trying out these changes, observing the results, making more alterations, and so forth. And this process may take this painting far away from its original imagined look." Unquote. This explanation suggests that there is a cognizant balance between imagination and creativity, both existing during the creative process as we imagine the path we take to create a painting, a novel, or a song. Imagination in this process is not the recorder of the completed creative process, but it is at the core of the process. The search model suggested by Galton Livingston is limited and somewhat defective in that our searches are limited to and built upon our experiences and explorations. If the creative person has a strong, powerful imagination and capable of imagining more widely and deeper, then the creative person has the ability to utilize a broader set of relative possibilities, hence selecting a solution that a more inexperienced creative may not possess. This is where the trial and error process is employed and becomes active creativity. If we put an experienced artist up against Watson, a computer which has access to billions of paintings and instructional material, Watson's employing of the search model would allow him to create a masterpiece repetitively because of the machine's vast knowledge. The difference between Watson and the creative person is the creative person's ability to use their imagination. Watson may have the ability to create a painting, accessing many old masters paintings as a source of creativity. The creative person is using imagination as a vehicle of creativity. The creative person's practice technique and sheer native talent allows them to use imagination creatively. Both models have a basis in the process with their feet planted firmly in the most cognizant part of the imagination and creativity balance. We are aware of the choices, the images, our prior experiences, imagining, and the search for solutions. The dance between imagination and creativity is cognizant. The birthplace of the painting before it is conceptualized, before it becomes something tangible, a thought, the first brushstroke, a scene in our heads, is more ethereal and less science. We observe that soft vision before we transform it into the creative process that brings it physical form. Without cognizant balance between imagination and creativity, the ability to fine-tune our wildest dreams may not exist according to these models. The focus of most of the science in the pursuit to understand creativity and imagination have presented arguments pertaining to the existence of both creativity and imagination. Some, as the model discussed, attempt to determine that one cannot exist without the other or that they have a need for a cognizant balance. However, science doesn't go far enough to understand the balance between intention, imagination, and creativity. The need to assign a process or science to the work seems to begin past the stage of intention and incubation. If intention is the birthplace of something new, then incubation becomes the point in which consciousness engages with the intention. Intention is the area scientific methods or models can't touch. It has no form. It flows freely with no expectation of being real or having a shape. Intention is the magical, mystical arena where our most evolved creator flourishes. It is the zone that we experience when we give ourselves to it. Intention makes us smile with hope, frown with frustration, 
groan as we move into the incubation and birth, and revel in the beauty of the finished product. Intention is present until we think too deeply. When we give intention attributes in the physical world, the mysterious magic of getting ourselves and our world out of the way disappears. It's that certain something that we all possess and struggle to describe. It's the, quote, it factor, unquote, that you just can't put your finger on or wrap words around, but is necessary for true imagination in every sense of the word and creativity to exist. Intention harnesses the power of conscious and unconscious energy, guiding it towards the power of imagination. Intention does not survive judgments. Intention is a very private dance between the conscious and the subconscious. We protect our intentions, but when we give them form or expose them to the gravity of the world we live in, we sometimes lose the intention. It is elusive. It is the magic. It is the unimagined. The imagination is where we see our intention in its final free form before we bring it to its physical life during the creation process. Intention, or what some would describe as free play imagination, is different from the Galt-Livingston experimental imagination described in their models. Pendleton Julian and Celie Brown provide us with their interpretation of free play imagination, which comes close to intention. Quote, the free play imagination does not subscribe to the boundaries of what one knows or knows how to do. It is serendipitous, intuitive, and completely at home, not knowing why it sees what it sees. This is the imagination that we most often associate with the realm of the unconscious mind, which runs in the background during waking hours and dominates our dreaming. What distinguishes the imagination of free play on the experimental imagination is its motivation. The experimental imagination starts with a question and or an individual's creative practice and history. These serve as its center of gravity. The imagination of free play may be capitalized by a question. It needn't be. It needs a center of gravity. In fact, it avoids a center of gravity, preferring to be lost in play, unquote. And yet we are reminded by Einstein that, quote, art is standing with one hand extended into the universe and one hand extended into the world and letting ourselves be the conduit for passing energy, unquote. As our confidence or ego and experience grows with each accomplished expression of creativity, our connection to playful imagination becomes threatened. The dangers of realizing the cognizant balance may be the loss of playful imagination. Things become too formulaic as creativity seeks out the solution based on prior experience. Fear of exploration and acceptance influences the stretch into the true imagination, the realm of intention, the sphere where active and passive creativity does not exist. Keeping our attention and imagination separate from creativity is the challenge. As Picasso stated, quote, every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain an artist once we grow up, unquote. I leave you with one final thought expressed by Edward de Gaulle, quote, only when he no longer knows what he is doing does the painter do good things, unquote. It has been stated by many artists that creativity takes courage. Maybe keeping one's intentions free, 
imagination playful and untouched by the cognizant balance of creativity is where the courage lies.